why do some doctors seem to have a lavish lifestyle, but on the other hand, can never seem to stop working? There are a few reasons which I'll explore today, which include highest cost of medical school and poor financial skills. Keep listening to the end where I talk about some of the ways doctors can turn things around and I end with Mindset Minute of the Week. My name is Dan. Welcome to the Passive Income Doctor Podcast. Just a reminder, this podcast is for entertainment purposes. Nothing here is financial advice. Please speak to your trusted professional advisors. Views expressed by podcast participants are solely their own. Now, there's a very common kind of misconception that all doctors are rich, earning lots of money, living in, um, you know, expensive mansions. You know, the headline news, um, for example, um, you know, news article, highest earning professions, Australia, for example, and yeah, it seems like doctors are earning a very high income. Obviously, first of all, this is taxable income. There's lots of other jobs out there. Um, uh, for example, tradies, blue collar that might um, or, you know, business owners that can reduce their um, declarable taxable income. So that's the first caveat. But also as well, you know, not all doctors earn the same. You know, if you're a procedural specialist, you earn magnitudes of higher um, than, say, a GP. Um, and also there's a lot of doctors that um, are in training still, you know, that are not consultants. Obviously, I agree, you know, most doctors... Um, you know, kind of are comfortable and, you know, compared to other industries, you know, reasonably recession-proof. Um, but, you know, there are some challenges which I will touch on as well. And obviously some of these factors I talk about, you know, it's not just exclusively applicable to doctors. Um, you know, I know other degrees have high cost um, to study them and also have um, uh, challenges where there's a big disparity, you know, like a CEO versus an entry-level graduate accountant um, or, you know, partner of a law firm versus um, a starting-out lawyer, you know, there's a big difference as well. So what are some reasons that doctors don't get rich? So one is the high cost of university debt, you know, HEX debt in Australia. Um, obviously in, in America, you know, it seems even higher, you know, half a million dollar um, close to a million, you hear some of the stories or on online social media. In Australia, um, you know, domestic students, you know, it's kind of roughly kind of 60,000 or so, kind of if assuming a five-year degree. However, if you did an um, undergraduate degree before, you know, it could be, you know, 100,000. Um, and if you're an international student, you know, it can often be, um, you know, five times as much. So then when you do start working, you know, you're kind of weighed down by this debt um, affecting your borrowing power, um, having to, taking a period to pay it back and all the while it's accruing interest as well. Obviously in Australia at the moment it's kind of indexed to inflation um, but still, um, you know, there is that factor whilst, you know, other people who start out earlier in their career or don't have as much Hex debt, you know, they start out in a financially better situation. So number two reason is the delayed career start. You know, the starting salary for a junior medical officer is quite low. And then also let's talk about the opportunity costs. You know, often you're kind of mid-20s, 
when you start working as um, an intern and in New South Wales Health, you know, starting salaries around 65000 versus say you um, did a, a commerce or accounting degree, start work at 20, 21 years old with less debt, um, similar income, but then you can invest that money, for example. Or say you leave school at 16, um, you do a trade, electrician, plumber, and then you know, kind of by the time you're 25, you've kind of had like eight years or so in that profession, you might have started a, your own business by then. So um, a third reason would be kind of um, uh, societal pressure to live a certain way, you know, latest car, live in a certain suburb, send your kids to private schools, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, you know, this is another challenge. Number four would be overhead costs. You know, for example, dentists, they're fitting out the dental chairs can be very costly. Private rooms for consulting rooms for um, specialists, you know, non-GP or GP specialists can be quite costly. Having a practice manager, admin staff, rent, electricity, insurance. You know, medical indemnity insurance premiums have skyrocketed over the, just the last few years. Also, medical registration fees increasing year on year. So there's a lot of fixed costs that need to be paid regardless of how many patients walk in through the door of your private practice. Number five is regulatory burden. You know, there's compliance with um, practice accreditation. Um, If you wanted to start your own private hospital, there's significant overheads and you have to meet um, standards, you know, the National Safety and Quality Health Service Standards. Number six is high stress and burnout. You know, there's lots of stories out there of doctors leaving medicine or taking extended breaks to recover, um, burnout, not, and then during this period, you're not, when you're taking time off, you're not earning income. And if you're a private practice doctor, there's no um, paid annual leave, sick leave, things like that. Number seven is poor financial skills. You know, doctors were not taught in medical school or when you come out as a new consultant, you know, about you know, private practice and how to negotiate contracts and what should you do with your money and how to invest. And often, you know, your easy targets for lots of spruikers, you know, whether it be accountants, financial planners, property people, trying to get you into the latest scheme to save tax or buy off the plan apartment. You know, you're paying too much tax is a common line they'll use. Or, you know, financial services, you know, they'll you know, would you like to open a credit card with, you know, a $50,000 balance, things like that. So now that we've talked about a lot of reasons why doctors don't necessarily become rich, let's flip the question on its head. How can doctors get ahead financially? So I'm going to talk about four things today. Number one is money management. You know, basically the summary would be spend less than you earn so you can save the difference. Um, avoid lifestyle creep. You know, do you need that latest car or to live in a really expensive suburb just to keep up, you know, with your societal status? I mean, if this is for personal reasons and your family's there, then that makes sense. But really consider what is the best use of your hard-earned money. Number two is once you've trapped that surplus, Um, because you've got good money management. So now step two would be to invest the surplus. 
you know, I like residential real estate in Australia. It's had a good track record of performance. It has good fundamentals underpinning it. We all need shelter. Australia is an attractive place for international skilled migrants. Also, it's seen as a safe place to store wealth. You know, obviously, good weather, clean air, um, sunny, good beaches. Um, you know, it's an attractive place to live. You know, reasonably low crime. Um, you know, there's a rule of law. Um, yeah. Also, as well for residential real estate, there's, you know, obviously tax benefits such as negative gearing, depreciation um, shouldn't be the reason you invest, but they are some benefits or advantages. And very importantly um, is leverage. You know, you can borrow 80%, 90% and you just chip in that 10%, um, which, you know, other asset classes you won't be able to do. Step number three is have a team, you know. Now, with this team, you shouldn't outsource your understanding. That's how scams can happen, you know, Melissa Caddick case in point. However, you want to utilize the team to perform functions, you know, a great accountant, a great mortgage broker, perhaps a great buyer's agent, property managers. Everyone has its place, um, but you're the captain. You know, if any of them are underperforming, you might need to fire them, might need to replace them um, and... Basically, you you want to kind of see what everyone is doing, but ultimately, you know, you should not leave your financial future success to someone else. You know, you are the captain. Number four is have mentors. Basically, someone that is not trying to sell you something, but perhaps someone more successful than you. Um, but ideally, not too far ahead. You know, kind of like a billionaire probably not much they can offer you in terms of advice and they're probably playing a different game to you. But, you know, it could be someone you aspire to. You know, it could be a fellow GP or specialist in your clinic. Um, you might be an intern and they, the, your um, mentor might be a registrar or perhaps a consultant. You know, there's a lot of successful people out there too and you may not gel with them or get along with them. Um or not, might not aspire to be like them. So definitely choose your mentor wisely. Mentor can keep you accountable. You know, it's very easy not to invest or push yourself when there's lots of distractions, you know, doing um, exams, raising family, working long hours. Um, so mentor can be for a financial investing sense as well, can also be from a career perspective as well. So to summarize, there's lots of reasons why doctors are not inherently rich or wealthy as commonly perceived. However, some of the successful doctors, what are four things they do? Number one, manage money. Number two, invest the surplus. Number three, have a team. Number four, have a mentor. Now, I will end this episode by saying it's important to keep your end goal in mind. You know, why are you investing in the first place? Why are you trying to achieve, quote-unquote, financial freedom? Why are you trying to achieve passive income? And I guess it's kind of you're after a certain lifestyle. You know, for example, a recent opinion I heard was that rent vesting will allow you to build a bigger asset base, um, allows more borrowing. So in the long term, you might be financially ahead. But on the other hand, you know, we have to face it. Lots of people have the emotional pull to buy their own family home you know, having the security of, you know, their own um, four walls and a roof, you know, not getting kicked out by a landlord. You can add personal touches, 
you know. So often, um, you know, rent vesting can be a great strategy, um, definitely initially, especially as a junior doctor where you're traveling around, training, um, not yet settled down. But then kind of later, often talking to um, other property investors, other doctors, often the emotional pool does win out. And I guess if you have a family home and will add a lot to your personal lifestyle and bring you joy, you know, then that's a, um, a great thing to do. And obviously, um, a secondary benefit is that your principal place of residence in Australia um, is capital gains tax exempt when you sell it. The other thing I would say is, you know, f- focusing on your end lifestyle and financial um, health is you want to spend money consciously on things that bring you joy. You know, whether it be a holiday, time with family, going to the gym. You know, it doesn't have to be extravagant things like a Europe trip or multiple overseas holidays a year or getting the latest car every year. You know, for me personally, you know, I like going for walks, going to the beach, having a day off, reading, chilling with people I want to, listening to podcasts, a lot of enjoyable things in life don't cost very much, you know. So for me, you know, I'm not after a crazy passive income goal, but I want a goal that I can able to reclaim some of my time back, you know, having some of that um, uh, financial independence and also some time um, freedom back as well. Today's Mindset Minute is we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Um, this quote, you know, has been attributed to, you know, different sources such as Will Smith or Fight Club. But regardless of where it's from, you know, this quote is a good reminder um, to check, you know, when we make big purchases, you know, what is the reason for doing so? Is this getting us closer to our end goal or further away? How is it going to affect, you know, if we're putting on a credit card, you know, think about the interest repayments, you know, you're kind of using your future money to buy a depreciating asset, is this best for you? Also, you know, if your expenses start exceeding your income coming in, you know, this is um, not a great financial situation to be in. Um, So um, please review and you can also seek out help. There's a lot of people that are happy to help. Also as well, if you can trap your surplus, as in your income is greater than expenses, early in your life, this sets up good habits But also as well, if you've got more surplus for investments when you're younger, you've got more time for that money to compound, you know, allowing compound growth to work its magic, which will make hundreds of thousands, millions of difference over the long term. So I hope you found today's episode helpful. You know, a bit of a controversial headline, you know, but it is true. A lot of doctors are not as wealthy as you may think or they appear If you're a young doctor listening to this, hopefully you have gained some valuable tips how to get ahead financially. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please take a moment now to hit the subscribe button and share the podcast because this will help others benefit also. So until next time, keep taking steps to improve your financial health. (laughs) 